Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to share with you probably my favourite chapter. And I know chapters of the Bible are like kids. You're not supposed to have favourites. But I do. Not of my kids, but of the chapters in the Bible. This is probably my favourite chapter in the Bible. And and if I'm honest, and the young people will tell you this, my favourite character in the Bible is who? There you go. My favourite character in the Bible is Moses. And to this point, I haven't really had a chance to preach about Moses. I preach about a lot of other things, but it's my birthday. So I'm going to preach about my favourite guy. From my favourite chapter, because it's my birthday. And because I think if we get a hold of the truths in this chapter... It can change your life forever. I've been in church for a long time. I've seen a lot of religion. And what I know about religion is it doesn't change anybody's life for the better. But what I know equally about Jesus is that everything He touches gets more awesome. So, if you've got your Bible, which of course you all do because you're incredibly spiritual people, what are you laughing for? I was being serious. <laughs> Could you turn with me to your Bibles, in your Bibles, to Exodus chapter 33? And we're going to read and read and read. Now we're going to read a little bit. I'm going to share a little bit. And then we're going to stitch it up. We're going to pray for some people. And we're going to go and eat some food, yeah? Awesome. Let's do it. Exodus 33, uh, chapter 33, verse 1 says, The Lord said to Moses, Good conversation. God is speaking. It's good things, yeah? God's speaking. The Lord said to Moses, Get going and the people that you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land that I swore to give to you, uh, swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Vegemites, the Promites, the every other ite you can think of. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. Woo! Who's excited? Who's ex- I think that's a pretty exciting scripture, unless you're uh, diabetic and lactose intolerant. <laughs> then a land flowing with milk and honey is a bad day. At this point, I'm in a sugar coma and I'm on the toilet for days. We are not having a good time. I, I just don't think Jesus took into account, or God took into account at that stage in history, all of you diabetics and lactose intolerant people. Um, it might look different if he was to say it to today's society, a land flowing with Big Macs and Coke. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. But we get the idea, right? Here we have an incredible moment where God is promising some amazing things to his people. We have a moment in history where God is talking to his, his delegated leader and he's, he's give, bringing the download. He's saying, look, this is what's happening. There's a few things. Firstly, I've promised something. I said it. I promised it a long time ago to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And you've been holding on to that promise for some 400 years in slavery. And generation upon generation upon generation where God was quiet and wasn't saying much, we held on to this promise that God had given us. God said, God said, God said, in the midst of slavery and turmoil and hardship, God said, 
God's going to bring a deliverer. God's going to give us the promise. He promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are holding on to this thing. It, it wasn't just, it wasn't just a, a small thing. It was, it was prophetic. It was supernatural in origin. You know, the whole, the whole birth of Abraham's son Isaac was supernatural. It was a God moment. It wasn't something I've heard it said before, but God waited till everything in, Mo, in Abraham was dead. He's 100 years old. He has no ability. I don't want to get too graphic, but he has no ability in himself to procreate. You get what I'm saying? There's nothing left. For those of you a little bit slower. It was God's way of saying, I don't need what you have to bring my promise for your life. I'm going to wait till every natural means for your promise to be fulfilled, to be dead inside of you. And then I'm going to show you that I don't even need you to make this a reality, to bring about the promise that I've got for you, that I've given to you. I don't even need what's inside of you. It was supernatural in origin. It was a God moment. 100 years old. Are you kidding me right now? It was generational. It had been passed down from generation to generation. This was something they had been waiting for for a long time. Maybe you're in this place tonight and there's things in your life that you've been waiting for for a long time. I don't know. Maybe in this church there's things we've been waiting for for a long time. At this point, things are getting really exciting. Because God is saying, now's the time. How excited are we at that point that God is speaking? Firstly, He's speaking about a promise. I don't know if you've got promises of God that are sitting out. I don't know if you were like me and went to youth camps as a teenager or youth meetings or youth live rally. And something sparked up inside of you and you had a moment where you felt like there was a promise from God, something supernatural. Or maybe in this 21-day fast, there's a promise. Something started stirring inside of you. It's supernatural in origin. You know how you know? Because it scares you half to death. Because you can't see a way that it's going to happen in your own strength. It's probably God at that point. There's a supernatural promise. It's generational. The land I saw to give Abraham and Isaac, I told them, I will give you this land. There is provision. He's saying, you don't have to do anything. I'm giving it to you. That's pretty exciting, right? If God was to come to you and say, here's a million dollars. You don't have to do anything. I'm giving it to you. We would get excited. I would get excited. Apparently, you're not that fussed on a million dollars. I'm big on a million dollars. I could do a lot of things with a million dollars. If God was to come to you and say, here's a million bucks, who would get excited? We get more excited about a million bucks than God coming. Well, I don't know what's going on there. It's God promise. It's a, this provision. It's amazing. And, 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 and I will send an angel before you to drive out. Get that. I will send an angel. We're talking supernatural stuff. Where God is saying, I'm going to, do you know angels? Angels are like 12 feet tall, bronze, flaming swords, very scary dudes. I'm going to send them to fight for you. Whoo! I don't know about you, but that's exciting. God says, not only have I promised it, not only am I going to take care of the logistics of it, 
Not only is it, is it generational in nature and supernatural in nature, but I'm also sending in an army so you don't have to do anything. Whoo! I'm excited. Like, come on, God, this is awesome. Sending angels in. Can I watch? This is cool. I want to sit on a hill and just watch angels killing folks. Yeah. Exciting. Steven Spielberg's got nothing. And it's a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Now, I know diabetics, lactose intolerant people, that's a problem. But the principle is it's a land that's not just got the bare essentials. It's not like we got bread and water here. You should come to the promised land. Have some bread and water. Mate, I could have bread and water now, right? It's not that exciting. But when he says milk and honey, what he's saying is it's the luxury stuff. It's the unnecessary stuff. It's the, it's the, it's the finer things of life. It's the, whoa, milk and honey. You've got to be kidding me, man. That's, that's a big deal. God is promising extravagance in His promise. It's not just a promise for a little bitty this and a little bitty that. It's a promise for extravagance over the top supply. Wow, milk and honey. It's amazing. That's why they invented crunchy nut cornflakes. Milk and honey. No, I'm just kidding. How many love crunchy nut cornflakes? Hallelujah. 21 days, crunchy nut cornflakes. I'm having them for breakfast tomorrow. How many of you think things are looking pretty good about now for the children of Israel? They're thinking, come on, bring it, Jesus. This is, hallelujah, this is good. How many of you would like to be a part of a church where you could be walking in supernatural promise, supernatural provision, supernatural protection, supernatural prov- like supply? With, with just how, how good would it be, Tony, to just have more money than we needed? We need a new property. Okay, let's just buy one. We need a new property. Yeah, no worries. Just pay for it. That would be awesome. There's starving people. Oh, we'll fix it. There's broken people. in it. Yeah, we'll fix it. How good would it be to have this supernatural? It's amazing, right? Woo. I forgot to tell you there's another part to the verse. Uh-oh. Fine print. Here's the fine print. God speaking. But I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people, and if I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. <laughs> well now. <laughs> well now. <laughs> that kind of changes everything, doesn't it? A minute ago, we were, come on, yes, Jesus, amen. This is awesome. <laughs> and now God's going, I'm not going couple of things. Firstly, do you realize it's possible to have supernatural supply, supernatural provision, protection, promise, prophetic, and have no Jesus? God's literally saying, I will give you what most Christians go after. I'm just not coming. The scary part about that is, How many of us would actually notice? Would we be celebrating the miracles of everything that God has done? Oh, it's just wonderful. People are getting healed and there's just money everywhere and gold dust is falling from the heavens. But there's no Jesus, mate. Yeah, but but people are getting healed and there's miracles, so it must be God, really? 
went real quiet real quick, didn't it? And here we have this moment in history where we're faced with a choice. Do we want God's hands or do we want His face? Will we be the church that falls in love with what God can do for us? Or will we be the church that falls in love with Him? There's a couple of things that I think we should take note. Two of those things are, firstly, would we notice? Would we be so busy celebrating the atmosphere that God has bought that like Samson, we failed to realize that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from us? We'd be so busy celebrating the miraculous supply and the fulfillment of a prophetic word that I had when I was younger that we would miss the part where he said, I'm not going. Are we so focused on what God can do for us that we have lost our focus on who God is to us? And the second thing I want to know is, how do I not get in that place where God is forcing me to choose between his presence and his promise? What does he say? God says to Moses, I'm not traveling among you because you are stubborn and rebellious. If that doesn't work or, or, or work in your life as some kind of a cautionary tale about your manner and your approach to this Christian life, you are reading the wrong book. I don't want to be rude or too confrontational tonight, but you know what? I know a lot of stubborn and rebellious Christians. Christians. My question, if God is always the same, and back then your stubbornness and your rebellion was a vehicle for God to choose, I'm not traveling with you any further, then perhaps those are two of the things that we should be looking at in our life as far as let's deal with these issues because I never want to get give God's presence a reason to leave me. Stubborn. What do you mean by stubborn? We get stubborn stains in our clothes. They won't be moved. They hang on to stuff. It's really quiet. Hey, I've been there. I've held on to things longer than I should have. I've dug my heels in on things that I had no right to dig my, my heels in on. And I'm reading this scripture going, God, don't ever let me be a stubborn Christian. Somebody who refuses to be taught. Somebody who refuses to stretch. Somebody who refuses to go on the journey. Because God, I am so much more interested in your presence than in supernatural supply, than in supernatural and prophetic words as good as they are. You can have them. What I want is Jesus. How, how many of us have had the dialogue, can't tell me what to do? You need to understand how unattractive 
that attitude is to God. If nothing else, this scripture tells us that God does not like that attitude. Rebellion. Can't tell me what to do. I'll do my own damn thing. It's very unattractive. And you might still have power, and you might still have prophetic, but you won't have Jesus because he refuses to abide in that sort of place. I want to encourage you and stir you. If nothing else out of these 21 days, let it make your heart soft. You know what helps you from becoming stubborn and what helps you from becoming rebellious? It's a little thing called humility. And it's all good to say that we're humble before God, but you know what? Love is as love does as we heard this morning. And I think really humble people are humble around other people too. It's not a selective humility that turns itself on when the senior pastor's watching and then turns itself off when you're talking to someone in the team you're serving with. Ouch. Say ouch. There you go. Genuine humility doesn't go away. It hangs around. And you only really know that it's there when things aren't going your way. I I said to someone the other day, you know, submission is not really submission until we disagree. Up to that point, we just happen to be going in the same direction. And then when I say something you don't like, then we find out where we're really at. So how, how do you stay from being stubborn and rebellious? Be humble and teachable and soft and pliable to God. Do those things. They're attractive to the presence of God. Dig your heels in. Spend your time telling everybody what you won't do and how anointed you actually are. You might be, but you might not have Jesus. You might have all the charisma in the world. You might be walking in a promise. You might have the prophetic active in your life. You might be flowing with milk and honey. Good on you. You might still not have Jesus. <laughs> this is my favorite bit. And this, this is why I love Moses. Moses got a lot of questions. Moses says, God, if you don't go with us, we're not going anywhere. I, lo- I love that about Moses. He said, I would rather stay in the desert, in the middle of nowhere, outside of the promised land, looking like a fool as a leader because I've led people out of slavery to nothing. I would rather live there than spend one day without your presence. That's why I love Moses. God, I want to be like Moses. I want to be like Moses. Here's the cool thing about Moses, and this this ties in so awesomely to what we've been talking about with the end and the order. Moses says, we want your presence. And then he says, teach me your ways. Impartation before instruction. The order. I want your presence. And then I want your process. Awesome. So here we go. Moses says in verse 15, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. 
How will anyone look favorably upon me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets us apart from everybody else. God, I want want to be that. I want to be a carrier of your presence. The, The promise is nice. The prophetic, I love it. The provision, bring it. God, I'd love to have more money than I knew what to do with. That'd be awesome. But God, before any of that, I just want you. I, 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 don't, I don't want your hand and what you have for me. I've I, I got four kids. And I love my kids. They're the best kids in the world, my opinion. Okay, I don't want to get into a theological argument about that with you later. I think they're the greatest kids in the world, and I love them to death, and I'd do anything for them. But you know what? It hurts a little bit when your kids come up to you and the only thing that they're thinking about is, what have you got for me? The greatest feeling in the world is the first time your child, uncoached, says, Daddy, I love you. You feel like 15 feet tall and bulletproof, yeah? Like, look at me go. My kid told me he loved me. That's awesome. And it never gets old. My oldest just turned 13. He still comes up to me. He wraps his arms around and he goes, love you, Dad. Makes me feel 15 feet tall and bulletproof, just like the first day he said it when he was two or three years. I was like, come on. How much more, our heavenly daddy, that we don't constantly come to him saying, have you got something for me? Have you got anything for me? Where's my pocket money? But rather we come with arms out extended saying, Jesus, I love you, Daddy. I love you, Daddy. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you've asked, for I look favorably upon you, and I know you by name. I want to be someone who knows Jesus by name. I, I want to be someone who knows my God by name and, and, and he knows my name. I want to get out of bed and I want the devil to get upset. <laughs> oh God, he's up. But more than that, I want my God to know my name. I want to have the kind of relationship and connection with him where every conversation is not about God give me, but it's about God make me. God, I love you. God, I worship you. That's why, do you know how passionate I am about the praise and worship aspect that we do in the meeting? I'm really passionate about it. You know why? It's the only part of what we do that's actually about him. Because newsflash, he's not sitting up there in heaven going, Gabriel, Gabriel, see what that guy's preaching down there? Never heard that before. That's amazing. Right? As good as I like to think I am. He's not up there going, this guy's incredible. What amazing revelation. Angels, you should get saved. Somebody respond to an order call. He's not doing that. But when we worship, when we lift our hands and we say, Jesus, there's no one beside you. You're ever the hope of my heart. At that moment, he calls the angels. Hey, guys, come and check this out. They're singing. It's like, I loved it. I watched Tone, both Tone and Kath. Geordie was up here singing. Tone made his way down in the middle of the pit. Going to get a better angle. Getting a shot of her, taking a video of her doing her thing because he's a proud dad. I just imagine Jesus, if they got heavenly YouTube, 
So check out this clip of last Sunday of victory. Watch my people worship me. It's amazing. And, and I know I said I like a lot of things about Moses. This is the thing probably that I like the most. He's up there. He's having this incredible dialogue with God. He has decided his priorities. He's got it right. He's like, man, I'm not interested in any of that. I want your presence. Awesome. So he's standing there having this dialogue with God. And God says, what can I do for you? And he goes, show me your glory. In other words, I just want more. Oh, God, that we would have meetings where his presence is here. And God's anointing falls. And maybe we don't even get to preach and we just lie out on the floor and God does stuff in people's lives. And when Tone gets up and says, what should we do next week? And the church is one, turns around and goes, let's just do it again. Let's just have more. We just want more of God's presence. We want more of His anointing. We want more of His Spirit in the house. That's what we want. We don't want what He can do for us. We want Him to be blessed in our midst. We want our God to feel our love. It's all about first love. And no matter how I go back to my first love, I'm constantly reminded that it was His love first. I love Him because He loved me first. He loved me while I was unlovely. He loved me when I had nothing to give. He loved me when I wasn't worthwhile. He loved me when I had no gifts and no talents. He loved me before a prophetic word and He'll love me after one. He'll love me before a promise and He'll love me after one. He'll love me before He even knew me, He loved me. Because He loves me, I love Him and I owe it to Him to never make this about this and make it always about this. My prayer for you tonight is that God will break your heart. And maybe we, we need to start with a repentant heart. It says, you know that old song, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. It's all about you. It's not about the style of the worship. It's not about the guy with the hat. It's not about the fast or the end thereof. It's not about the Krispy Kremes as good as they are. It's all about you. It's all about you. And Jesus, even if I was standing on the mountain, talking to you face to face, all I want it's just a little bit more. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 